You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast. The world is filled with many questions, such as, did giants exist? What is junk DNA? Does it mean that you're trash? Do you ever wonder if aliens have underwater bases in our oceans, and that's why there are so many UFO sightings off the coasts of islands all over the world? How serious even is climate change, and when should we start building our rafts? Hello, everyone. You may recognize me as Gabby from the History of Everything podcast. And my name is Bruna, and you don't recognize me from anything yet. Together, we're two scientists who explore the answers to these questions and many, many more in our new podcast, Mystery Mystery of Everything, Everything, available everywhere you get your podcasts. In October 1974, Ascendant horror writer Stephen King and his wife spent a night in a cavernous old hotel at the foot of the Colorado Rockies. With a winter barrage of snow and cold looming, the hotel was about to close for the season, leaving King and his wife as its sole guests. After eating in a grand yet empty dining room, with the chairs up on every table except his, and walking through the endless empty hallways, a new novel began to take shape in King's mind. That night, King had a terrifying dream about his son being chased through the hotel's halls by a fire hose, and immediately after, he knew he had to write. As King later said, I got up, lit a cigarette, sat in the chair looking out the window at the Rockies, and by the time the cigarette was done, I had the bones of the book firmly set in my mind. That book was the 1977 classic The Shining, which was adapted into an acclaimed film by Stanley Kubrick three years later. Though they vary significantly, Both the book and the film follow a writer who becomes the winter caretaker at Colorado's isolated Overlook Hotel in the hopes of curing his creative dry spell. He brings along his wife and young son, who has a singular psychic ability to see the hotel's gory, haunted past. Not long into their stay, the father is pulled into this haunting past by malevolent spirits, putting both his wife and son in grave danger. While The Shining dives headlong into the paranormal happenings at the fictional Overlook Hotel, there are plenty of equally terrifying stories surrounding the real-life Stanley Hotel, where King first conceived of the book nearly 50 years ago now. The Stanley remains open to this day and continues to attract fans of the book who want to experience a taste of the paranormal for themselves. You're listening to History Uncovered, brought to you by the digital publisher All That's Interesting, where we explore the uncharted corners of the natural world and the world past. I'm All That's Interesting's associate editor, Leah Silverman, and today I'll be discussing the Stanley Hotel and the alleged real-life horrors that inspired The Shining. Here's Johnny! Colorado in the late 19th century embodied the hopes and dreams of many cosmopolitan East Coasters. It represented independence, open-air freedom, and vast expanses of untouched land far from the crowded cities back East. Colorado thus beckoned to travelers, explorers, entrepreneurs, the infirmed, and free spirits. But of course, the area had already been populated by the indigenous Puebloans, Apache, Arapaho, Cheyenne, Comanche, Shoshone, and Ute nations for thousands of years. But to white people, Colorado was theirs to conquer. Colorado also represented freedom from the densely populated cities in the East, which were battling tuberculosis at the time. Doctors recommended that their patients relocate to sunny, dry climates in order to treat their lungs. As a result, a sort of back-to-nature health craze was born, with Colorado at the center of it. That craze drew an inventor and businessman from Maine named Oscar Stanley to Colorado. 
Stanley was stricken with TB in 1903, and he found that retreating to the Colorado air did in fact make a difference to his health. He wanted to stay out in the wilderness, but he missed his social circle and sophisticated life back east. So he resolved to make his own eastern community in Estes Park. There, on the foothills of the Rockies, Stanley built a sprawling, luxurious hotel. In the middle of the wilderness, Stanley crafted a getaway that rivaled those in the east. The 420-room hotel cost around $14 million by today's standard to make, and was complete with electric telephones, steam cars, white glove service, and private bathrooms. The hotel was one of the first in the country to be totally powered by electricity. In addition to the main hall itself, the estate featured a billiard room, a sultry, deep velvet smoking lounge, a concert hall, a carriage house, a smaller bed and breakfast, and luxurious arched fireplaces. The hotel had a decidedly clean, upscale East Coast feel to it. It was white painted wood with ample porches and windows open to the mountain air. Stanley had, after all, planned the estate with health and wellness in mind. His guests were exposed to the sun and a crisp breeze through small circular windows that dotted the length of the hotel. Soon after its opening in 1909, the opulent hotel hosted the likes of Theodore Roosevelt and President Taft. But in addition to becoming known for its grandeur, the Stanley soon developed a reputation for the terrifying as well. In 1911, or 1917 by some other accounts, the hotel, which was renowned for its technical prowess, experienced a gas leak that led to an explosion in room 217. According to contemporaneous sources, the explosion destroyed the second floor above the main dining hall and nearly killed a chambermaid named Elizabeth Wilson. Strangely, when a local paper tried to reprint the terrifying news, the editor could find no such record of an Elizabeth Wilson working at the hotel. Nonetheless, a second local paper confirmed that a chambermaid named Lizzie was injured in the incident, but contrary to other reports, she was not flung across the hotel. Rather, the Fort Collins Express wrote, The chambermaid Lizzie Leitenberger had both ankles broken, it is thought from the concussion of the explosion, and was thrown into a hole in the floor. Two waiters were also injured in the incident, and it ultimately cost the hotel just under $300,000 to fix. Lizzie, or Elizabeth, recovered and returned to her job, which some maintained she held into her death at age 90. But legend has it that after her death, hotel guests reported seeing her in the rooms where the explosion happened, separating unmarried couples in bed and packing the male companion's bags for him. For decades, Elizabeth Wilson was the star of the one main ghost story surrounding the Stanley. Then came Stephen King's fateful visit. Perhaps the most eerie aspect of King's story is just how faded his stay at the Stanley seemed to be. In a 2019 interview with The View, King recalled that he'd happened to take a weekend off from working on his novel The Stand and went out west with his wife. They happened to arrive at the Stanley Hotel, which, he said, was closing for the season. The hotel manager said that he could stay only if he could pay in cash. King happened to have just enough cash to stay. And of course, of all the rooms he was given, it was 217, the one where the explosion had occurred 60 years prior. We were the only people in that hotel, King said. The wind was whistling, the rooms were all empty, and once he was inside room 217, the horrors began. 
I woke up with a tremendous jerk, King recalled, sweating all over within an inch of falling out of bed. But surely King's terror was worth it, as his stay at the Stanley would prove to be a huge boost to his career. Not only did the hotel inspire The Shining, but its grounds also contain a pet cemetery said to be haunted by the ghosts of a beloved cat and dog. This naturally inspired another of King's classics, Pet Cemetery. In King's own words of his experience that evening at the Stanley Hotel, it was like God had put me there to hear that and see those things. And after King brought a new kind of fame to the Stanley, ghost stories from terrified visitors began to abound. While filming his classic Dumb and Dumber nearby in 1994, Jim Carrey requested a stay in room 217 and checked out only three hours later. The staff maintains that they still don't know what exactly happened to Carrey in that short span of time, just that he claimed to feel quote-unquote unsafe in the room and presumably checked into a different hotel later that night. Celebrities aside, ghost hunters and everyday believers in the paranormal have descended upon the hotel since The Shining, eager for a taste of the uncanny themselves. And the hotel happily obliges this appetite. They host daily spirit tours and special bookings for the rooms 401, 407, 428, and of course, 217. Management estimates that the number plate for room 217 is stolen about once a week. They also feature a full-time, on-site psychic named Madame Vera for consultations. The Stanley Hotel continues to top lists of America's most haunted hotels. Visitors claim to hear children laughing and running down the halls at night. Others say the spirits are more hands-on and can actually feel them playing with their hair. In room 407, it is purported that the previous owner of the property, Lord Dunraven, stands idle by the bathroom door and plays with the lights. In 2017, a family on vacation at the hotel inadvertently captured what looked like the ghosts of two little girls on the main stairway of the hotel while on a spirit tour. The tourists all maintained that there were no children on their tour that night. Others have reported waking in the evening to the feeling of someone sitting on their mattress, only to find no one there. In room 418, cleaners claim to have seen impressions on the bed when no one else was in there with them. Also, according to the cleaners, the ghosts here hate vacuum cleaners and will do their best to unplug them or mess with the outlets. Whether any of these claims are true remains to be seen, but you can take a look for yourself by reserving a room or a spirit tour, if you dare. I always thought that the real difference between my take on it and Stanley Kubrick's take on it was this. In my novel, The Hotel Burns. In Kubrick's movie, The Hotel Freezes. It's a difference between warmth and cold. But the images are striking. There's no doubt about it. While the Stanley remains a destination for fans of The Shining to this day, the relationship between real life and fiction is complicated. For starters, the movie wasn't filmed at the Stanley Hotel, but instead used the Timberline Lodge in Mount Hood, Oregon for its exteriors, and then used a set in England based on California's Awani Hotel for its interiors. And this is just one of the things that Stephen King wanted to correct in the film version, which he didn't like at all. In fact, he staged a do-over in the form of a miniseries filmed on-site at the Stanley Hotel in 1997. Besides location, King took issue with the film's lack of depth. He bemoaned the main character Jack Torrance's lack of arc. He claimed that in the film, Torrance is only shown descending further into madness, whereas in his novel, King has written Torrance as a man struggling for a long time with his sanity. Ultimately, 
King said that the film was, quote, like a big, beautiful Cadillac with no engine inside it. However, despite King's objections, there are some strong parallels between the Overlook Hotel and the Stanley Hotel, besides the fact that they're both grand estates in the middle of nowhere. Just as in the film, the Stanley Hotel features a sprawling hedge maze in front of the property, though this is a new addition meant to reference the film. The Stanley does feature a lavish lounge, however, like the one Torrance finds himself meandering into, and it also has a grand ballroom. Whatever the similarities and differences between the real Stanley and the fictional Overlook, visitors of the former will surely continue to report a certain chilling feeling when inside its cavernous confines, as long as The Shining holds its terrifying grip on the popular consciousness. Thanks for listening to History Uncovered. I'm History Uncovered's producer, Kit Westneat. If you like the show, help others find us by leaving a review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. And be sure to follow the All That's Interesting and History Revealed pages on Facebook and Real History Uncovered on Instagram. Make sure you don't miss out on the new episodes and subscribe to the History Uncovered podcast. And keep up with our latest stories at allthatsinteresting.com. If you have a question about the show or just want to say hi, feel free to call us at 929-526-3029 or email us at podcast at allthatsinteresting.com. This podcast is part of the Airwave Media Podcast Network. Visit airwavemedia.com to listen and subscribe to their other fine shows like Legends of the Old West and Redacted History. Until next time, keep exploring. Do you love history but hate when it's stuffy and boring? Well, look no further and join me, Katie Charlwood, your friend the neighborhood social scientist and reader of books, as I delve into unsolved historical mysteries, murders by gaslight, and of course, women who have been misrepresented through all time. On Who Did What Now, the history podcast that's not your history class. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.